The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, quit degaussing your joystick and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 303 with guest Ken Levy, recorded live Tuesday, December 18th, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNRTV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now... The man who's spending New Year's Eve down at Hannafin's Pub while I'm editing this f***ing show, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl Franklin here in New London, Connecticut, and Richard Campbell in Vancouver, British Columbia. How are you, sir? Happy 2008, man. 2008. Now you got to get used to writing the right date on all those checks. Oh, yes, yes. Put it on a sticky note, stick it in the middle of your screen. Exactly. Don't do it. Just don't, don't it do it. So, uh, 2007 was a good year for us. We had 21 million downloads or something like that. Ridiculous. 22 million, somewhere in there. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's 2008 uh, is going to prove to be even bigger for .NET Rocks. And for you, the listener, we have some... Uh, prospective deals going on we won't say what but um just stay tuned some good stuff is going to happen this year anyway let's get right to our little segment i'm calling better know a framework all right mr franklin well uh it's uh, uh, the namespace today is microsoft.visualbasic.compatibility.vb6 oh yeah now, when you upgrade a VB6 application using the built-in wizard of Visual Studio, um, w- what it doesn't do is rewrite all of your VB6 code to use the standard .NET Framework objects. What it does do is it maps all of the VB commands to um, commands that are some managed code and some not managed code in this namespace. So, for example, you know, opening files using the syntax of, of VB stays the same. Right. Um, there are a few things that you want to avoid in Microsoft Visual Basic Compatibility VB6, namely the collection. Horribly slow. Horribly, horribly slow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we talked about that in Yeah, in I think some we show. did. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, it's, it's a good way to get going and get started, I suppose, but, uh, interop is definitely the best way to go. And we just did a DNR TV with, uh, Rob Windsor, as you can see at dnrtv.com. Just look in the archives. 
Uh, Rob Windsor talked about VB6 interop all the way from uh, interoperating with classes all the way to Windows Forms. Nice. Yeah, so you can call Windows Forms from VB6 Forms and vice versa. It's good to know that the VB6 investment that we made is still supported. I mean, they still ship the runtime with Vista and, you know, this it's not going away anytime soon. Nope, it isn't. Even though it's been, I mean, it's now 2008. So right. it's been a lot of years since .NET shipped. Right. Absolutely. All right, Richard, you got a email for us? I do have an email and the subject line is fabulous. The subject line is episode 300, no Spartans, but <laughs> just as good. <laughs> Hello, Richard and Carl, in no particular order. After my short Christmas break from work, I have just enjoyed show 300 while driving to work. There are a couple of issues that arose from that show that I must address. One, it was a shame that none of your listeners, including me, didn't get around to contribute. Which is fair. We we only vaguely asked just on the blog. We didn't yeah, we didn't. Hard. We half-heartedly supported that. Two, it was a good job that they didn't contribute because I really enjoyed the tales that Richard shared with us. Yes. And three, please, please, please give a warning not to listen while driving as I was laughing my ass off. (laughs) And four, where can I get a cool magnet to play with? Yeah. Seriously, 300 was a nice break from the norm, and although I really enjoy your shows, it was great to get to know Richard that bit better. Usually I do have a chuckle at your shows, but I have listened to this one four times already. Yep. Keep up the good work and all the best in 2008. Thanks, Alan Suarian. Wow, or something. That's a heck of a last name. Mm-hmm. Alan, you're welcome. And, you know, if you want to get that uh, more casual side of Richard, you can always listen to Mondays. Mondays.pwop.com. Not safe for work, uh, but it is a lot of fun. And Richard finds geeky toys uh, on the Internet at the yeah, end of the show. I, am I that serious a guy? Uh, yes. <laughs> Compared oh, to well. the rest you know, of the on nutcases the, on, on Mondays, Ross. yes, you are very serious. Right, okay. Yeah, you know, you know better. <laughs> we, we traveled across the United States together. You know better. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I guess on the show, I like to focus on the guests. Yeah. And don't really worry about anything else. As but- do I. Yeah, but show 300, it, that was a fun distraction, just to do something a little different. It was lots of fun. It was, I think you call it, it was a great holiday show. It was a perfect holiday show, yes. Kick back and uh, get to know Richard a little better. And I highly recommend it. <laughs> so, Richard, uh, the Sleepless Road show is happening January 12th, 2008, beginning January 12th. The deadline to apply is January 6th. And here's the deal. Uh Infusion is calling all insomniacs again. Sleepless is back, and this time we're bringing the best of SharePoint, office development, and Silverlight training training to you for a chance at $100,000 in prizes, including an all-expenses trip to Microsoft's Office System Developer Conference in San Jose. We're coming to Atlanta, Dallas, Los Angeles, Silicon Valley, Chicago, and Washington, D.C., and we're bringing SharePoint's elite, including Microsoft product team members and SharePoint MVPs, who will train you. Now, this is all free if you, if you qualify, if you win. Uh, you, they will train you on, uh, on SharePoint, Silverlight, and uh, Office Development. They will uh, provide a mystery game show. There's going to be an overnight developer competition which, as you know, Richard, you, it was a lot of fun when we did yeah, it in New York. Yeah, we participated in that. Uh, and uh, for the winner, winning team, uh, an all-expenses-paid trip uh, to San Jose for the Microsoft Office System Developer Conference, you can apply at www.infusion.com slash sleepless. Do that now. Hey, Shrinkster.com is back, if you haven't heard, and uh, we're hosting it. And, um, well... There you go. There you go. <laughs> Not much more I can say about that. Nope. Shrink those long URLs. Go for it. Have fun. It's on us. We don't mind. All right, Richard, let's bring on our guest, uh, Ken Levy. He's the community program manager on the Visual Studio ecosystem team, focusing on developer community for VSX, which is Visual Studio Extensibility. 
The VSX community includes developers who build extensions like tools, editors, designers, languages, and stuff for Visual Studio using the VS SDK found at the VSX Developer Center, which is msdn.com slash VSX. Ken was previously a product planner on Microsoft's Windows Live platform team, working on developer community and future product planning. And before that, before working in the Windows Live division, Ken was a product manager in the VS Data team, responsible for uh, Visual Fox Pro product management, the VFP developer website, as well as a sponsorship of the new XML tools in Visual Studio 2005, created by the Web Data XML team. And uh, his qualifications go on and on and on. Ken, you have been the community guy, it sounds like, in all yeah, your jobs. I've been jobs. doing a lot of community back back from my Foxford days when I was a developer outside of Microsoft and building tools, putting them on CompuServe and then on the Internet. I was an MVP for most of the 90s until I joined Microsoft. You did some consulting at NASA at the JPL, is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's actually, uh, they had a lot of Foxford out there because that's where DBase, XBase was invented. And uh, I lived in L.A., and then I uh, I actually got to work on developer tools for other teams of developers, and it was at the early days of object-oriented programming, and I built this utility yeah. called GenScreenX, and it was like about a little over 100,000 people downloaded and used that thing on a regular basis, and that's what got me in the community, speaking at events and yes. writing articles and all that stuff. And then eventually you got uh, pulled into Microsoft. Yeah, first as a consultant, what they call an orange badge, if you're familiar, and then yeah. eventually a blue badge employee. So community's been in your blood then the whole the whole time, and now it's all about Visual Studio extensibility. Yeah, it's a new effort that I took on this new role earlier this year. It's, it's a full position just dedicated to do community work, targeting .NET developers in general outside of the Visa Partner Program, you know, and... Uh, getting developers to extend Visual Studio, share the components. We're making the tool set a lot easier to use. So it's it's going to be a significant effort, uh, you know, starting now, essentially. You'll hear a lot about it uh, through the next year and stuff. Is, is, is VSX all only for tool vendors, or is this for end users as well? Like, would an end user want to extend Visual Studio? So that's a good question. I, I think that um, I, I try to define extensibility in two main ways. I mean, a traditional way is someone builds an add-in or takes the Visual Studio SDK and extends Visual Studio by building something, building some component inside the IDE, a new a new developer tool, new language, new project system. But extending Visual Studio can also be installing a power toy, mm. right? Just just taking something that someone else built, whether you buy it from a vendor, you know, a a, a partner, you know, that ha- that has a product that's, that they sell or just a free tool that either Microsoft or some developer created, and you simply install it and you add a new you know, menu item and you get a new tool window, you know, like the source code outliner type hmm. power toy or something like that, and you're essentially extending Visual Studio. So we try to look at extensibility as both developing something and installing. So right. it's like a, an overall ecosystem. There's like partners, there's general developers, and then there's people who consume it all. Yeah, I was sort of working on gnawing on the term ecosystem around Studio because I can see ecosystem inside of Microsoft that there's, you know, a number of different groups around that, that are involved in, uh, in creating and, and implementing in Studio. But I guess this is really the first time we're opening that out to the world. Well, yeah, the, the evolution of it all is that Microsoft eventually, you know, initially built Visual Studio so that it was pretty much only extensible by Microsoft. Hmm. And then a little bit later, it was opened up for partners and created a visa program, Visual Studio Industry Partner Program. And it cost a few thousand dollars to join. You get a lot of marketing, business benefits, technical support. Hmm. And then the SDK became available free about a year, about a little over a year ago. Hmm. Yeah, but hasn't there always been since the early days of studio, some sort of available library? Like something you, you, there was ways to hook into studio. Yeah. Even going back to the old visual studio, there was ways to hook in. Mostly just by add-ins and there's limitations there. Yeah. You know, there's a simple automation model as for the real sophisticated integration. It's always been what we call the visual studio SDK, where you get direct access to the core APIs. And there's really, 
any real third-party vendor that you buy it uses the SDK and not an add-in to do it. And what Microsoft did is take the SDK and make it available for free. And for a while, to be honest, it was just kind of sitting there on MSDN downloads. And real, Microsoft realized, okay, we need some community effort around, you know, improving the SDK, getting awareness, building a kind of a guru community around it, and and just get the word out, so to speak, that, hey, this process of extending Visual Studio is now free outside of the evolving Visa program, right? We're still working on – we have about 200 partners in the Visa program. We're always looking for new strategic partners and keeping the existing ones, you know, building products around Visual Studio. But we want – you know, thousands and thousands of developers to actually extend Visual Studio with the SDK that's now free outside of that program. So that that part is new. Now, Ken, I went looking on your blog, which I shrinksterized at shrinkster.com slash S-Y-R, Sierra Yankee Romeo, and uh, I found a paragraph, I found something that was weird, which was the words Visual Studio and World of Warcraft in the same sentence. <laughs> Can you yeah, please right, explain right. this to me? Yeah, and one, and one quick note is I kind of have two blogs. I, I have my own blogs, dimsdn.com slash blog, and then I pretty much blog solely on the VSX team blog, and that's the one you're looking at. Yeah. And I recently posted a bunch of news items, and one of them is Microsoft worked with a, a vendor to create this tool using the new VS shell, the VS 2008 shell, and built a full World of Warcraft development environment using the Visual Studio platform. That means that you can now, without having a licensed copy of Visual Studio, any version, you don't even have to have Express installed or anything, you can now take and you can install the free, license-free, royalty-free, you know, VS shell runtime and then install an application that was built on it, in this case, World of Warcraft development environment. It's called the add-on World of Warcraft shell. And... uh and, and now developers can build app, applications for World of Warcraft using the VS platform. And, and there's no there's no royalty. It's, not, it's a free tool. It's on CodeBlack. It's open source. Wow. So that really opens the door to discuss what this new VS shell is about. It plays a role in this whole VSX, you know, platform, so to speak. What It's extensibility. And with the release of VS 2008, codename Orcus, last month, Microsoft also released the new VS Shell. And what this is, is this free runtime. There's an integrated mode and an isolated mode. What that means is the isolated mode is kind of like you install this runtime, and if you don't have VS on your machine, it installs all the core bits of Visual Studio, including the, the cool XML editor that's in there and everything. You just don't get C Sharp, VB, C++, but you get the property sheet, you get the whole IDE tool, whatever, and using the Visual Studio SDK, developers and companies can build what we call packages. The same way you build something for Visual Studio when you have standard or above, and now you can deploy them with the free runtime. And you can actually give away your application or sell it either way. So there's a whole opportunity there. We we have a sample in the SDK called Iron Python. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. yeah. So one of the things we released a few days ago, along with the World of Warcraft thing, is we took that sample, and before you had to pretty much have VS Standard or above, download the SDK, install it, you know, then go to the Iron Python sample, and then compile it, run it, and you'd have Iron Python. But we took the Iron Python sample and had a vendor put it inside the uh, the VS shell for free in isolated mode, and we put it online. It's got over 10,000 downloads without hardly any promotion in the last few days. Yeah. Essentially, now you can build Iron Python applications with IntelliSense, debugging, everything. And you don't need a copy of VS at all. I mean, you 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 get the the VS shell isolated mode runtime, which is part of the install, and then of course this this uh, few megabytes of install. That's the Iron Python piece itself, and it installs, and it looks like a standalone product. It's co-branded. It's custom branded. Meaning, you know, when you start up, you got your own splash screen. It says little thing powered by Visual mm. Studio on the right. bottom right corner. But essentially, the, you know, the caption and the about box, everything, it's just, just, just a standalone development edition of Iron Python. It's open source now. Tell, tell us about the storyboard designer. Yeah, that's another one. Uh, so we had a vendor called Claris Consulting, they're in Argentina. 
they have a, a really good developer we work with named Pablo Galliano, and, and he, uh, he's been working with the SDK for a long time, and he's also worked with DSL Tools. And a few months ago, the DSL Tools team, and by the way, DSL stands for Domain Specific Language. Yep. So a lot of times people say dom- modeling, you know, the class designer modeling tool. It looks like Visio inside Visual Studio. That's the best right. visual way to describe it. Right. But that team, mostly based out of Cambridge, UK, merged in with our VS ecosystem team. So now those people are on the same team that build the SDK, and the whole DSL engine is included in the SDK. So to promote and show off how cool you could take DSL modeling and then deploy it with the VS shell in a free application, we created this story, storyboard designer, and it targets a non-developer. Now, certainly a developer could use it, mm-hmm. but the idea is, hey, you want to storyboard something, a presentation, you know, a podcast, a movie, a script, mm. uh, some kind of workflow. And you've got, your, uh, you know, you open it up, you create a new project, storyboard project, you get a custom, like, toolbox set of controls that are things like Visio. They look like designer tools, like start, end, uh, yeah. Persona, you know, scenario, you know, flow, decision, yes or no, you know, which way does the flow chart go? And you glue this little thing together, you look like you're building a Visio kind of thing, and at any time you can right-click the project and then save to an HTML file, and it builds up a whole set of multiple HTML files that all link together to kind of document your workflow, and then you could publish it or share it. Hmm. And, you know, someone can download this and and use it, it's not even a developer. It's just the idea of showing off how you could build a free or a a pay for you know a pay product using the shell and DSL. And when I gave the keynote at the Dev Teach in Vancouver a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. there was someone in the audience that came right up to me after the keynote and says, "Oh, I have a client that could use that storyboard designer right away." Now that, that was kind of interesting. You know, again, he said client, right? And I, I was pretty sure the client was not a developer. It was just someone who. Maybe he wants to storyboard something. It's like a whiteboard thing. So it's not necessarily related to coding per se. Yes, that's correct. When you, one of the, the the various popular ways to or DSL is you model something. You're editing an XML file under the hood, and you can do code gen. That's that's certainly what commonly is used in development environments for DSL. Like you're building some C sharp or VB code, or you might be just updating a database, right? Or you you might be you know generating uh, a document or something like that. In this case, it's just building a document, but you could generate code from this model if it made sense to do so. I mean, you're just editing some kind of custom XML file. That's what the DSL tools do in the end. Hey, this is Carl. I just want to take a minute out of the show to tell you about Telerik's Q2 2000 tools update, which can be summed up this way. Blazing fast performance for ASP.NET, WPF-like visual effects for Windows Forms, and codeless reporting. The AJAX-based content editor is now 76% faster and much more intuitive. The grid also received a performance boost, plus PDF export, frozen columns, and they've even added a new awesome scheduling component. What I find even more intriguing is Telerik's Windows Form Suite. It's unbelievable that it offers WPF-like visual effects like scaling, rotation, object motion, transparencies, and so on without WPF. As a result, you could have grids, tree views, ribbons, and more with a previously impossible level of interactivity and appeal. Telerik has recently added cab support which makes the component set a perfect fit for large enterprise applications. Lastly, with Telerik reporting, you can create advanced business reports in Windows, Web, or PDF format using pretty much design time only. Wizards, expression builders, and converters help you with the design, styling, and integration. You'll also be amazed to see some unique features, like CSS-like styling and conditional formatting. See what all the fuss is about. Download a trial at Telerik.com. And don't forget to thank them for sponsoring .NET Rocks. Yeah, it's it's interesting how blurry the line between code and, and reality gets when you start getting into these domain-specific languages. You're getting so abstract now that uh, it could be almost anything. Here, here's a great scenario to think about. 
let's suppose there existed. You know, there's a lot of frameworks out there for .NET developers. Oh yeah. Yep. There's not just a lot of paper ones, but a lot of companies with have teams. You'll find that they have their own mini custom framework that they've built over time, or a solo developer has his own library. So now imagine uh, a company. Had, let's say you had a .NET Rocks framework, just hypothetical, right? Yeah. Well, what you could do is take the VS SDK and with the shell runtime, and you can build something called the .NET Rocks Studio. And you could either right. give it away or sell it. And it could be a development environment that allows you to model components of your framework, has business rules, different things, you know, helps the developer use it. And it could co-gen around those classes, and it could have, you could have productivity tools and stuff like that. You could build a whole tool set, both for productivity and co-gen, around that framework. And again, you could label it your own .NET Rock Studio, and you can put it on your website, and you give it away for free, or you sell it, or a little bit of both, like kind of a... So right. it's Studio, but it's got all the languages taken out of it. I mean, what's That's missing? Yeah. What is the shell? So the shell is kind of like that whole IDE without the languages. You get the property sheet, you get the error list, you get the debugging, you get the XML editor, you get the menu system, you get the server explorer, you get the project explorer, you get hmm. the project system, you can create your own project types. You can, hmm. Intel has Fortran.net. There's oh, other no. people that have COBOL. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, the, the, but again, what they could do now, essentially, is release a version of it that doesn't require someone to have Visual Studio right. license copy. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what's really powerful about this is now, yeah, you can, you want to promote your own language. Here's a way to package it that other people can use it and will already know how to use it. Well, even if you're not doing a programming language like the DSL stuff, the designer, the designer surface is really valuable in and of itself, you know, for doing all kinds of things. What? Tell me the difference between isolated mode and integrated mode. I, w- I was actually going to jump to that point on my <laughs> next thing. Yes. So the integrated mode is a little more like just coding for Visual Studio with the SDK today, but mm. you can install the runtime without having VS standard or above. And what happens is it runs, you know, it runs like kind of like the isolated mode, but when you install VS Standard or above, or if you already have it, it runs side by side. So let's look at it this way. Let's say you had, um, let's say we had somebody took the Iron Python project and made a version of it for the integrated shell, right? Well, they can certainly run it standalone without VS, but let's say they bought VS Pro and installed it then suddenly it'll run side-by-side integrated in Visual Studio. It kind of shares the same binaries. So you're, not, you're no longer running isolated. You're kind of like, oh, I can go and create a new C-sharp project, a new VB project, or a new Iron Python project. That's great. All in the same environment. And so it, it's a little like, it's almost like a tr- um, getting somebody a, a package Together with VS, but before they have VS installed, they may not have it installed right then. Right, that's but you're kind isolated. of targeting. You're targeting the person that's going to have VS. Usually. Yeah, targeting a developer then. Yeah. Cool. Or, or well, you can still target a developer, but you're just targeting a non-Visual Studio developer if you use isolated mode. And keep in mind, you can have isolated mode shells running side by side with Visual Studio. Like you can, you can have Storyboard Designer on the same machine as you have VS Pro or VS TS, mm-hmm. and it's just going to run independently. It's got its own. And and the download right now with the runtime, the isolated mode, it's a little over 300 megs only because we bundled in .NET Framework 3.5. We are considering having a separate download that doesn't include .NET Framework 3.5 for those people that are going to install it on a machine that does already has it. It'll make a much smaller install. Yeah, how much of that 300 megs is the framework? Something like 200, 200 (laughs) megs. I mean, almost all of it. You know, it's like, 50 to 100 megs, I think, is a shell. And then usually your application is just a couple of megs, depending on, you know, like the, the World of Warcraft and the Storyboard Designer, Iron Python one. Those are just a few megabytes after they're packaged And so up. there's also extensibility points for Team Foundation Server in this new version? Is that right? Yeah, there's essentially there, there's, there's always a layer of extensibility that's exclusive to the, you know, the, the Team System version. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's the whole shell, so that means all the team system stuff as well. Right. I'm just starting to get a vision of a non-programming tool that would take advantage of team system and and all of this sort of management stuff. Yeah. I could almost see a CAD program or or interior design program. Or a network topology design program. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, you you can you could uh, you you could use the DSL tools mixed together and do yeah. something like that. There, there's no doubt. One of the reasons that we try to create a a diverse set of things when you look at it, World of Warcraft. I mean, I think at Dev Connections as well as TechEd when that was shown, people were like, "Okay, what's Microsoft doing creating a developer yeah. tool for World of Warcraft?" Is World of Warcraft mark uh, managed code? Uh, oh, I'm sure it's not. I don't think so. so how does I, in that fact, work? the two primary things are it uses this Lua scripting language, which is based out of Brazil. It's been around a while. It's commonly used in video games on a PC. And then it uses XML files. And I most see. people use Notepad, I think, to I edit an XML file and a Lua scripting file. And then they register it in the World of Warcraft file system and all. And then, but what happens is what's kind of cool is when you edit it with the World of Warcraft you know, Visual Studio edition, so to speak, when you hit F5 and build it, it actually goes to the World of Warcraft registry set of files, and it kind of registers your project with it, and you can just run World of Warcraft right then after you hit F5. Wow. And you'll see it in the add-on list. So what kind of add-ons are we talking about for World of Warcraft? Well, the one, one of them that was done in a screencast is kind of this uh, opponent analyzer. It's this little, this <laughs> little thing where all you do is you hover over opponents, and I'm not a World of Warcraft player, but at least watching the demos, you hover over your opponents, and it gives you like this box. It's like a tooltip. It gives you all kinds of profiling information about the various opponents you're playing. Right. But that's just one example. This guy will kick your ass. You could add your own characters. You, <laughs> that's huh? what i got to imagine the evaluation ultimately comes down to. Can he kill you or not? <laughs> yeah, you should, you should, yeah, you should look at the source code, at some of this stuff. I've never seen source code commented. It says, if, you know, if, if kill occurs, you know, do this. If, you know, death by source. You know, it's all this, <laughs> the dialogue inside commented code. It looks like you're reading a, you know, some kind of sci-fi book. It's <laughs> a long way from a CRUD app. Yes. But again, what, what we, what we do is we have a series of these shell applications, storyboard designer, the iron, Python Studio and the World of Warcraft shell, and they have different target audiences. But that's part of the example is these are just three that were just released in the last few weeks. And they weren't that big of a project, each one. And what what we could see happening is businesses and developers going off and building their own applications with the shell using the VS SDK. And we expect to see a lot of cool things in 2008. You know, this whole VSX thing, I we think is just going to take off in a lot bigger way in 2008. We just and kind of it, set there's the still a market for... It's not like you're giving studio away per se. For, for, for developers, we still got to buy the actual product that has the, the pro edition with the, the languages and all that good stuff in it. Yeah, and one of the things that happened last month that's not really talked about a lot, but you guys will get a kick out of this, is the license agreement changed with Visual Studio 2008 and the SDK. What this means is, is that you can now build packages for Visual Studio or things with the shell, the new shell, that target something that competes with Microsoft. It's okay. So that wow. means you can build something for the Java platform, or you could build an iPhone SDK in the Visual Studio shell and give it away or sell it. And we're not, and you're not breaking any licensing rules, right? And in 2005, there was some restrictions around targeting competitive environments and yeah. platforms. But that's all been released with VS 2008. So if you want to build something with the VS 2008 SDK and or deploy it with the VS 2008 shell, it can target a competitive platform, Microsoft, and it opens up the door to a whole lot more. And so I I, I kind of refer to it in the, the keynote at DevTeach. It's like this, this interesting perfect storm. You've got the new VS 2008 SDK, you got the VS Shell and this new license agreement opens up the door to tons of new opportunities that did not exist before last month. If you think you can make a better C++ than Microsoft, go for it. Yes, exactly. Uh, tell me about Beth Massey's demo that she did so with you on stage. Th that was an interesting thing because what we, we tried to do is show off how add-ins are useful even though they're not near as powerful as the overall VS SDK. Add-ins is included with Visual Studio. There's no extra download. You can just open up Visual Studio today and just go create a new add-in project and code away or apply it to an existing project. So what Beth did is she worked with someone you probably know works at Microsoft named Sarah Ford, mm -hmm. right? 
she worked on shared source, open source. Now she's a PM on the CodePlex CodePlex, team. CodePlex, right. And she had a real popular blog focused in a lot of the topics around tip of the days on the VSIDE. And so Beth liked a lot of these, you know, tips, and she created a VB WinForm client that read the RSS feed, filtered on the tip of the days, pulled down the XML, cached it, created a little, like, Internet Explorer browser control on it, had a grid, had a filter, and then she loves link. So she took VB using XML link, and she allows you to search and do cool queries to filter, like if you're searching for something. It's like a really cool, rich client for tip-of-the-day content, <laughs> kind of like when you buy a new product, you know, yeah. and you see this dialogue come up, and it's got tip-of-the-day, but this one has searching, and it actually accumulates the RSS feed, so you're even if the RSS, you know, trickles away, you know, like on a limited amount, then you're going to still cash it all. Well, what she did in the keynote, and this is something I had discussed with her around extensibility, is she showed how you took this existing VB project, then she went and created like a, an add-in project and added it to that solution and just wired it up with a couple of lines of code. So when Visual Studio starts, there's, she goes into the event on, on startup and just says, show this form. And then in the wizard, she said, I wanted a command button, you know, a menu item to launch this on demand and gave it a name. So then she ran it, and then every time you ran Visual Studio, this form just comes up like hmm. a tip-of-the-day form. Hmm. And if you close it, you got a menu item to launch it on demand. Cool. And you can do this with anything. And it was just a way of showing, hey, anyone could extend Visual Studio with a, few, with a wizard and a few lines of code, and that's add-ins. And she got a lot of downloads on that tool, and uh, she blogged about it. So the code, how, this, how that was done, everything, it's on her blog. Well, and, it, and it's an interesting point to bring up that add-ins is st- still there, still usable. Lots of people have done stuff with them, and I think are going to continue to do so. You well, don't yeah, have to be honest, to use more people do simple add-ins than extend Visual Studio with the SDK, only because a lot of times it's a simple automation thing you're looking for. I mean, if you really wanted to build a nicely integrated tool, then you'd probably want the SDK, but you can do a lot with add-ins, even macros alone. Macros a little more automation. Add-ins you can get in, you can build your own tool window, access this what code is being edited. You know, you could select code and you can you could have like another little tool window, doc window kind of thing that comes up and shows you what you're editing, you know, insert code automatically, all kinds of stuff like that. So what exactly can you do to World of Warcraft with this add-in. I mean, I'm, I gotta, as soon as I think about altering the code in a game like that, I think cheating. Yeah, I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> so, so my understanding is there's a, there's a whole sophisticated add-on, add-on model in World of Warcraft. I haven't personally gone out and seen what all kinds of things that they've done, but I do know that Blizzard, the company that makes World of Warcraft, has not ever created a development environment for it. It was kind of like, hey, we threw it out there. People go create XML files and Lewis scripting, and then they throw it at, at you know, the process manually, and that's how a lot of people have been doing it. And I think there's quite a few extensions that really add to the game on the PC platform. And uh, but I'm, but I just don't I don't know what the the degree of extensions are. Yeah, you, you you're not a player, so I, yeah. I got to imagine until you play, yeah, you don't Edgar, really. Nick Landry, those guys are are already told me an email like yesterday that they're planning on spending part of their holiday season to play with this new <laughs> Visual Studio World of Warcraft tool. <laughs> That's what they think is fun. <laughs> yeah, especially Nick. Yeah, he's he reminded me at DevTeach he's like level 70, and I have no idea. It sounds really cool. But well, I apparently you means... top out at level 70. You don't go any higher than that. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty hot, yeah. So. <laughs> is that true, Richard? It is true. You know, oddly enough, uh, a friend of mine who... Uh, Makes a living playing online massive multiplayer games. Crazy. Contacted me about the World of Warcraft package literally yesterday. Wow. So he's looking at that from exactly that point of view. As a serious player, what does he think he can do with this? So it's just, it's all very coincidental. What's really interesting is I think at a typical tech ed, dev connections type conference, you don't see, I think the percentage of people that play World of Warcraft is pretty low, but there are millions and millions of people that play that game. And there's quite a few people that extend it. But now what this is going to be do is help do some kind of interesting bridge between people that program in Visual Studio and, play, and may want to try to play around with extending World of Warcraft 
or people that ex- play World of Warcraft that don't even have a copy of Visual Studio and now want to install the free shell developer edition, and suddenly they're they're using what we call the VS platform, and that's you know you hear the word platform a lot, right? You oh got yeah. The Windows platform. You got the .NET platform. You know, and uh, one of the things that I, I told about in the keynote at uh, DevTeach was, you guys remember Egghead Software? Sure, or, yeah. Now you know, it's like that before you had Best Buy and CompuSA, whatever. And you, you go into Egghead, and, you know, you'd see rows and rows of Windows software, a few aisles of DOS software. This is like in the 90s. And then you'd see that one little small section of Mac software. Right. And, and it really wasn't because Mac was a bad OS at all. It was just that... Microsoft really focused on making Windows a developer friendly. And that's when, when Steve Bomber's jumping around singing his song, Developers, 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 he's thinking about Windows more than Visual Studio, even, because it's about a platform. Developers build on that platform. Right. And so, so now we're starting to think of Visual Studio as a platform itself. Yeah, this is a big change because yes. up until now it's right. been a product. Now it re- literally is a, a platform for delivering other capabilities. And it's just beginning, meaning we were, and next year, one of the things, so, you know, we're, we're already starting a planning phase for what we call VS10. Uh, also, Dev10 is, a, is part of a code name. Right. That's kind of like, VS10 is the next version of Visual Studio. Dev10 is kind of like the next version of Visual Studio with the next version of .NET Framework 4.0 and all that. Right. So, in the meantime, our team, the VS Ecosystem team, is going to be very busy enhancing the VS SDK on a regular basis. That means every two to three months. We use Agile development. We have Scrum meetings. We post new free SDKs every couple of months with CTPs and all. And our goal is to build tools for tools. We want to build tools in the SDK that actually use DSL modeling to help code gen things for you, create better wizards. We want people to be more productive when using the SDK. So we plan to really evolve the development of extensibility on a regular basis as we evolve into VS10. And then we certainly have a goal in the next version of Visual Studio to make extensibility even better and more powerful and easier. Can we talk about that? Well, we can talk about it based on you telling me what you'd like to see, and I'll give feedback to the team. But yeah, we I, I guess I'm we not qualified to do that. In terms of next version of VS, we haven't really hashed out the exact specifics. But but when when we talk about you know, what is it that people want? We we know a lot in terms of pain points. Certain things need to be easier. We need, you know, yeah. a better way of the programming model against all of the various APIs. Because remember, VS today is a mixture of, like, calm and managed code. Right. And right. sometimes when you're coding with the SDK, you got to flip to different APIs to get to different areas. Because remember, VS wasn't built from the ground up. All right. With a .NET developer in mind to extend it, it was built in with a C++ developer in mind. Most of our Visa partners are C++ developers. Right. And whereas a lot of the people that want to download and run the SDK are VB, C Sharp developers. Now, we've been getting about 15 to 18,000 downloads of the SDK a month. And we released this thing called the VB Pack a few months ago for the VS 2005 SDK because we did not have VB support in any of the samples or wizards before for VB. It was just C++ and C Sharp. But when we did the VB pack, it's got about 20,000 downloads, and just the blog page alone for that has got like 50,000 hits. And then in the Orcus version, or VS 2008 SDK, we put VB first class up in there. So that means you don't need that VB pack for the new VS 2008 SDK you got samples in VB. you got the wizards included with VB. Mm-hmm. So we think VB developers want to extend Visual Studio to create productivity tools because they like productivity tools. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, Give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActorReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. You know, some of the coolest stuff that I've ever seen done in Visual Studio has been done by DevExpress, by the, yeah. you know, the refactor and code Mark rush Miller. things. Yeah, like playing a video game. 
And uh, that's all. Is that using the VSX library too, or are they going directly well, against the code, Dom? What are they yeah, doing? And there is nothing called formally a VSX library. What we have is the VS SDK, and in the SDK we've got raw, we got raw APIs to the shell. Then we got something called MPF, which is Managed Package Framework, which is a .NET wrapper classes around a bunch of stuff. There's DTE, Development Tool Environment API, which is more com based. Add-ins mm-hmm. use that a lot. And you can kind of navigate around all these different APIs and get to things. Some yeah. people, including that Express, created their own like layer of API because they have a product, and I think a lot of partners do this. They create their own library, hmm. and they have something called DX Core, and it's a, f- a free thing. Right. And, and it's kind of like a, another layer of programming that does certain things easier. Certainly, that's that's something worth looking at just to learn from, yep. just to get an idea of what you can call into. We we you did know. a video series with uh, on DNR TV on the DX Core. He showed yeah. what you can. I think he took a request and uh, as for an add-in from a listener, yeah, <laughs> and built it on the fly. Yeah, yeah, and keep that's all part of what we call VSX extensibility. Meaning everything that that they're doing is using the VSSDK. They're just kind of building on top of it. And I expect to see more of that around the community. You know, more stuff on Codeplex in terms of techniques or you know libraries of useful things. You know, that kind of stuff. Especially because we're, we're getting into a mode where we're building a community around people that aren't necessarily partners. Now, Mark Miller is a good example of someone who's kind of both. He's in the commu- .NET community. He's also a Visa partner. But then there's a lot more people that are .NET developers who are starting to spend a lot of time extending Visual Studio, and they're starting to surface with cool stuff, blogs. You know, they're becoming experts. We actually expect to see a job market for people that know how to extend Visual Studio. Yeah. And that's there's already partners that are begging for new good .NET developers to know how to use the VS SDK. So if, if people are looking for a new up-and-coming area, you know, the VSX area is going to be a hot area starting next year. So when do you think we'll see an implementation of Fox Pro underneath the oh. uh, VSX space? <laughs> yeah, and, what, and to keep, that's interesting. Keep in mind, their goal is not to, like, replace the Fox Pro IDE. What they're, what they're doing is there's a lot of developers now who have Fox Pro apps that are using .NET with Fox Pro, meaning they're, they're, they're either doing side-by-side, certain components are in .NET, certain are in Fox, right. or they're migrating in some componentized way or whatnot. And when you're in the Visual Studio environment, they want to basically be able to c- compile certain components and blend in certain functionality and DLLs of part of the, the mm-hmm. FoxPro side of things into the MS build, into the project system. And so a lot of it's just bringing some FoxPro components into the development environment of Visual Studio, but not necessarily replacing what you would do in FoxPro completely. And it, it's an open community project kind of thing. It'll, it'll, it'll probably get used by people who spend time in both FoxPro and .NET who continue to use FoxPro. And it's certainly an interesting community project from the aspect of to see what they can do, to see 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 what com- what things they can innovate around it. Because the people like Alan Stevens and Craig Boyd, they're really smart guys. And uh, Craig Boyd's uh, Fox MP does a lot of .NET. Alan Stevens actually works for the company that that has had a project that runs in the Pentagon for the last I think about fifteen years. Wow. Good Last customer. 15 years that runs all the military logistics for all U.S. troops and supplies worldwide. Shh. It's actually a Foxpro.net SQL Server project that's been around for years. I, I remember hearing about this project a long time ago, actually. So, yeah, uh, there was a time when Microsoft bought Foxpro. I had a tool, that I, a product that I created at a, at a company in California that was used for police and fire department to control dispatch communication for all, like, public safety, whoever bought this. It competed with Motorola. That's when I programmed low-level with, like, integrated circuits and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, But I used FoxPro as a touchscreen with DOS on the front end. And then, so that project and this, this other project, we, we got to sit down, I, myself and this other guy, Brian Jones, sat down with Bill Gates for, like, a half an hour and showed him demos of what we did. And it kind of got um, recognized a lot after that. And this project, this this Pentagon project that they did, has been evolving for since '91, since the Gulf War. But it has a lot of 
Fox Pro component still in it because Fox Pro manipulates data on the local engine side really well. But they got a lot of .NET, SharePoint, SQL Server going on there. But Alan Stevens is working on that. He's got a Channel 9 video about the VSX. He's really hot on extensibility. He's kind of a, a research architect kind of guy that works on that team. You know, earlier you mentioned Marcus Egger, and of course Marcus is the publisher of Code Magazine. I understand they're doing quite a bit as far as VSX is concerned. Yeah, well, uh, so you're familiar with, a lot of people listen are familiar with Code Magazine. One of the things they may also be familiar with is something called Code Focus Magazine. These special editions of Code Magazine, they're called Focus. Usually they don't have a date on them, and they're just focused around one product or technology. Yeah. They've done about eight, nine of them so far. I got to work on the first one. It was on Fox Pro 8. Uh, so... What what we did when we worked on this said, okay, let's make this very community-oriented. I had come up with this idea of sidebars where we have all these product team members have a photo and a quote, you know, blended in with the articles written by com- expert community members. And the nice thing about the code focus issues is the PDF and the HTML for each article is online. Like the PDF for the whole magazine's a free download. And you can go to code-magazine.com slash focus and then see all these focus issues going back to whenever They've done tablet, PC, mobile, you know, Visual Studio tools for Office, and all that. And uh, when I when I took over this role early this year, one of the first things that I really wanted to do, since VSX was new, was create a focus issue, code focus issue on VSX. So I work with Marcus and Ellen Whitney and 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 a bunch of people that work on Code Magazine, Rod Paddock and all. And we had Microsoft people also contribute content to that issue. I mean, it's about 76 pages, I think, wow. and it came online a couple of months ago. And, of course, we had about 30,000 copies sent out to events and mailing lists and all that stuff. Yeah, I got my copy. And so, yeah, and so it's a it's a good you know introduction to the overall extensibility. You get information about the new shell that we talked about. We get information about packages, and Rod Paddock has an article on add-ins, and you got how Microsoft uses the SDK internally for the XML tools and other things. And there's some case study kind of things where you've got this VS SDK assist project on CodePlex by Pablo Galliano, and and that's a cool tool to just kind of get familiar with the SDK around and and XPath Mania by Don XML, right? right? And so it's a pretty good intro edition. We may even do another edition in about a year from now or so, too, like in a more advanced version. But we're real happy with it, and it actually helps get the community that reads it familiar with the overall picture of VSX as well as the people on the team. We have, like, 20 people on the team that have, like, photos and quotes and stuff in there. Do you guys do any funny extensibility stuff internally that you don't share? Funny? Yeah, just, like, jokes? Not too much. No, (laughs) no, I don't know of many things like that. I mean, like Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, things. exactly. I, I, I'm pretty sure stuff like that has been done a long time ago, but nothing lately. Most most of us have been trying to figure out what what does a wide range of audience you know want to do. Right. What are those scenarios? So if you don't I have any fun at work, is what you're saying? Yeah, oh. the, yeah, yeah. There's not. <laughs> I think you could do some cool Easter egg things or install something that does something interesting on the machine, but I haven't heard much of I think a yeah. lot of those things had been done a few years ago right. when you could do it, right. and then it's not as an interesting scenario and anymore. Bill sent that memo, and everybody's afraid. To no do more it. Easter yeah, eggs, yeah, right? Yeah. Quality control. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how how effective that actually has been, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. really sort of ended that whole... We used to really enjoy looking for those things, you know? Yeah, like in Excel or in any product used to get. There was a thing in Excel where you guys like a mini thing of doom. It was like a mini visual thing with DirectX or something. Yeah, I, don't know. I remember it was that. Like a mini version of doom or something. I don't know how they did yeah. the about box. There's a walkthrough kind of thing. It just walked around, I think. I can't remember. Right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's this bunch of very... And there was also how many different incarnations of Flight Simulator turned up in different programs. Right. So the Code Magazine was pretty successful in terms of the reception, the way it's a good starting point for people to look at, and you know, and it's content online. So that means you don't have to have a printed copy to go access the PDF or all the HTML that's searchable. In each oh, Zine Viewer that does the that's all based on WPF. Yep. I, yeah, I started playing with that, and I really like it. It's it, pretty cool. It, the Zine is the WPF client, 
and I find that it, it's actually nicer to read the magazine content from that viewer than like a PDF file. Yeah. Especially because you could resize it nicely, and it, it kind of yep. uh, automatically sizes it. Vector graphics good. Yes, exactly. So you can now download Zine and get all the code focus issues, including the VSX issue, free. You don't have to have a subscription to get that content. So at least you can get the free Zine client and then like get content just to try it out. Yep. So, Ken, can you uh, point us to some places on the web where we can find some interesting uh, resources and information? Yeah, the best place, the homepage, you know, this is where, you know, you get a, a shirt that has the URL on it, msdn.com slash vsx. So that's the VSX Dev Center. I control the content on that site. You'll see on that homepage that there's stuff about getting started and downloads. You get the SDK download. You get the shell runtime downloads. You'll get getting started as in links to that code magazine we just talked about, um, a little guided tour around the SDK, you know, different types of information, overview, stuff like that. Our team blog, which I post to, the VSX team blog, as well as about eight people on our team that have their own blogs mm-hmm. and some community blog type stuff. Now, in early January, which I think about the second week of January is the current plan, we plan to update the homepage to look more like the current VB and C-sharp homepages, a little more community-oriented, got this new blue kind of box template. So it'll just be a little bit new and improved in about the second week of January. So if anyone visits the site before then, check back, you'll see it updated. It'll have RSS feeds, different things like that. So we're going to kind of make it its own dev center. Before, it's kind of kind of been under the VS dev center, so the tabs for learning and community weren't their own. But we're going to make it its own standalone dev center. Cool. So that's pretty much all the content, anything that you'd want to find. It's 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 discoverable almost from that homepage alone, if not just on that dev center. Okay, and of course your blogs, your uh, both of your blogs, you're constantly posting about this stuff. Yes, and yeah, the VSX team blog I keep on, you know, that's kind of like information from the team that I blog, and then my, my own blog, uh, yeah. and that's all on that VSX, you know, the msdn.com slash VSX dev center. There's a v- one thing to add is there's a VSX forum, you know, an MSDN forum. It's called Visual Studio Extensibility. So there's a forum where we have our team members and MVPs and other developers that go there and ask tech questions and stuff like that. We certainly want to open up the dialogue with developers to find out what they like to see that we don't offer, how we can make things easier, what features we can expose in the future, you know, like what scenarios they'd like to to do. You know, one of the things we're going to keep working on, we're working on a new training package that will come out in several months, like a whole kind of like a hands-on lab type training thing. Mm-hmm. And we really want to uh, educate developers on what it is you can do, you know, in in January, we plan uh, around January, maybe February, probably January, we launch two new sites on MSDN. One's a v- Visual Studio Gallery. It'll be msdn.com slash vsgallery. It'll probably get you there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be a listing, a catalog of various partner and community content that's online. You know, oh. it'll link you to stuff that's there that extends Visual Studio. Then there's going to be a new MSDN Code Gallery, you know, it's kind of like based on the CodePlex engine, but it's going to be for code fragments, you know, stuff that's not an open shared source project, hmm. either stuff from Microsoft or the community where you can just say, oh, here's a bunch of code snippets or here's, a, you know, a cool utility I created, and you just go post it there. That sounds great. And, and that could also relate to extensibility, although it doesn't have to, right? It could be just something like how to use Link you know, with VB or C Sharp, and it's a cool thing. The other thing is it could be something around extensibility. So so um, we have those two things coming. It should be pretty cool. Ken, are there any uh, last-minute things you want to mention before we sign off? Well, uh, what, I, what, what, what our goal is is to create a, a kind of new independent community around VSX, extensibility. We know that a lot of developers aren't going to necessarily extend Visual Studio full-time, but what we expect is just like a lot of people that build .NET applications do web development part-time. You know, of course, some do it full-time, some mm-hmm. do it part-time. Mm-hmm. We expect visual extensibility to become more of a commonplace for a lot of developers 
whether they're building something for themselves, something for their team, something to share online, something to possibly even sell, right? So we expect, like, go back to that word ecosystem, expect a growing ecosystem around the VS platform. And uh, maybe in a year or so, we'll have another chat and we'll discuss about all the cool stuff that's been going on in the last year, you know, as the result of all this. Awesome. And in the meantime, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching your blog. Cool. Ken, thank you very much. It's been yeah, great. Thank you, guys. All Talk right. to you later. Very good. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.